to the 20-digit scene review podcast. I am your host, David, and as always, my co-pilot in action this evening is Alex. How are you doing, Alex? I am doing well. We are at that time of the week. We each select one of our favorite scenes, movie or TV series, and we spend a few moments talking about them and providing some insights, so on and so forth. This week is no different from any other except for some of the bonus episodes that we've done. I have selected, I believe it's episode 28, so this is Even. Even Steven is me to start. And I have chosen a couple of scenes from The Lobster, a film directed uh, by Yorgos Lanthimos. And I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. I will have to make sure that... uh, Next time I check the enunciation and the pronunciation properly, but I am a fan of this fella. He uh, makes probably one of the weirdest movies. Uh, This is a black comedy and stars Colin Farrell, Olivia Colman, Rachel Weisz. These are some of the stars, uh, notable stars. And I've picked two scenes. Uh, I originally had one scene. It came in at 144. But I, I decided to add another one just to give a little bit more context. And Alex, you did watch the second scene, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So we'll cover both of them. And they are relevant in so far as it just provides uh, further emphasis on the oddity, let's say, of this style of production and direction, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, because it's just so different. So the mm-hmm. first scene takes place early in the film and in that one minute 44 seconds it probably is the best summation of what this movie is about uh the norms the rules of the world which is so incredibly bizarre it it, you know the things that we know uh the way the world works the way the social order works let's call it in today's society is very much not how this world works and uh, so th- that's why i kind of want to pick it because it was, it's so it's so weird and it, it um olivia coleman describes okay you know have you settled in <laughs> and have you uh, have you picked uh, the animal of your choice and it's, it, she goes on to explain that he needs to find a mate within 45 days and if he doesn't he gets turned into an animal of his choosing of his choice and that sentence just what <laughs> it's just <laughs> so weird like yeah. when i re- first read the synopsis of the movie i just I, I i had to read it a few times i, I was just confused and uh, one of um the fans of the podcast i shall say was uh, uh before the podcast was born a former colleague hopefully we get her on, recommended this movie to me. And this scene just speaks to what, not only the style of the Yorgos, but just of this movie. It's just so wacko. And one of the coolest things that just helps portray that, it's not just the script, it's not just the plot, or the, uh, some people don't like to call them plot, but just uh, in terms of um, uh, meaningful action, let's say, that helps move a story along. <clears throat> If you look at the cinematography as she sits down ever so politely, Colin Farrell is to the right of the screen and he's kind of barely in view. <laughs> but what's noticeable is 
her partner, the hotel manager, points to her partner and he's cut off. His head's cut off. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so that. weird. Yeah, for sure. like, yeah. Even even the, the maids that come in initially, they're just completely cut off. Yeah. So you don't yeah. see who they are in oh here's my partner. And like, what partner? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. so weird. The, and the, uh, the another funny part about so the script in that one scene is where she says something to the effect of, you better make sure you choose a good animal because if you can't find a mate in this world, uh, you want to see if you can find a mate in the next world, in the animal world, and you got to make sure you choose one that makes sense. I mean, a hippopotamus and a camel, you know, that's 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 just absurd. Like, what? <laughs> this whole thing is absurd. <laughs> right? So it's just it's just a fun black comedy that just isn't, the norm when watching anything that I've seen before and from what I've heard, his other movies are just as awkward and odd and absurd and bizarre, which is very different from what, you know, what we'd see nowadays. And it's just yes. a pleasure to, to absorb and, and view and, and be entertained by that. So maybe I'll stop. There are a few other things to talk about in the other okay. scene and others, but I've rambled a bit. So I wanted to get Alex's uh, perspective yeah. on this one. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I watched these and then I'm like, because I hadn't really heard of this film, to be honest. And then when the first word that I, I actually jotted down, it's like just one word on a, on a single bullet point, peculiar, but that's just, <laughs> this is, this is kind of odd, isn't it? And so, yeah, it became clear. And especially now that you've given the, the snobs and the context that, um, this is intentionally, Yes. Uh, off the beaten track, non-mainstream, and and using the medium of film to to do other things than have a typical love story, have a typical action, have a typical comedy. Like it's none of the above. It's just <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it sits on another dimension, <laughs> right? And you know, uh, often filmmakers will, will do this, and I think I think uh, I guess maybe more experienced actors they. They like this kind of thing because, it, and it's kind of similar in, I guess, most uh, walks of life where you do enough of one thing so often, you kind of get, or you, you you become disinterested or something with uh, with something you've right. done hundreds of times. And you kind of, what, what piques your interest is that 101st time that you did it and something odd happened or... Or uh, you're trying a food that you've, a cuisine you haven't really tried before because you've eaten so many meals in your life, or you've gone to certain cuisine fresh you know, of restaurants enough times, and and so on. So, yeah, the, whether it's all the people involved, the the cinematographer, the the director, the actors involved, they're probably most of them relishing that. Hey, let's do something weird and different. What, yeah. what can we do with yeah. this? So, I mean, the scenes themselves. Yeah, I mean, it was good to, to that you picked the, the first one. That okay, that I guess that establishes the, in in the actual scene the synopsis of the whole thing with the hotel, and then okay, picking an animal. I liked that they had the character pick the way he picked and the reasons that he picked to seem yeah, well well thought you. out and clever, and uh-huh. and and how she was saying, oh, okay, good. Uh, that's non-standard, but that in a good way because most people they'll leap for this or that or a dog or whatnot. It's just common. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and she I, I thought his, his response was funny though. It was like, uh, you know, I know I did a lot of, um, swim, swimming and he did a lot of his <laughs> water skiing when he was yeah. a teenager. And he says, you know, they, they live for a hundred years 
and that they're fertile all the time. <laughs> it's just, just hilarious. And, you know, and in that in that part of the scene too, which was really I didn't I didn't notice this. I I I read a I was from a another clip. I will actually attach this. I will attach this clip in uh, in the notes because it's a wonderful essay about Yorgos's type of film and how weird it is. But he identified how there's this unsettling slow zoom. I don't know if you notice it. I didn't notice it. No, but no, when you notice. when you when you watch it again, and if you do, like, go for it. You'll see that when he's describing what animal he wants to be, there's this super slow zoom, <laughs> and it's it, cinematically when people use zoom, they do it for emphatic reasons, or uh -huh, uh -huh. you know they're trying to create intimate. We we said this before in other in other scenes where. The camera starts afar, and then it starts coming in as the conversation becomes more intimate, more interesting, or if there's an emphatic point they they want to make something that is of of key reference or or a key highlight of, of that particular scene. But in this case, I think it's deliberately done to sort of give that unsettling feeling subconsciously to a viewer. And when I watched it again, I, I was I was like, wow, this is this is this is weird, but it, it 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 perfectly aligns with exactly what this what this film is all about and the oddity yeah. of, of what it's about, right? So and that's that's a little ingenious, right? This kind of like mm -hmm. uh, and it's like taking your carpenter's plane, leveling it, and then unleveling it just a little <laughs> bit, right, or something like that, yeah. or uh, making the stairs uh, with ten ten steps, and like the sixth step is a little bit bigger than the other one. Like, it's just a little <laughs> bit off, right? But <laughs> kind of right. If it just kind of puts you off, and that's exactly what he wants, right? Hmm. Or exactly what's what's wanted by the director. So, in the second scene, it's I remember watching. I was just howling. It was just the ball. The the, the, the you know that's a that's a pretty classic tune, right? Um, uh, the music choice that was done there is um, in, in using a baritone uh -huh. and female like it's just an odd duet right it it doesn't very work very well usually <laughs> something's got a lot like, it's, just, it's just a weird it's it's just awkward and weird and devoid of human emotion and you know the part where they're they're, they're not singing they're, they're kind of yeah, dancing kind of swing. It's, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of swing it's just so i was dying absolutely dying when i was watching that uh, so, but again, uh, uh, the the scene was structured in a way where the the couples were dancing, and they're all forced to face them so that they could aspire to find a mate. And then you have Colin doing that super slow mo, you know, getting to the the, the urge to ask her to dance, and then <laughs> again the oddity just continues, right, <laughs> with her <laughs> bleeding nose, uh, the bleeding nose woman. And again, I don't know if you know this, but. There are no character names. The only person that has a name is David, which is Colin Farrell. <laughs> Everybody else is just hotel manager, bleeding woman, heartless woman, oh, okay. lisping man. <laughs> so that guy, that the, the guy with the curly hair, the guy with the curly hair, okay, okay. he's dancing so odd. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah. Um, I forget her name, but his name is Lisping Man because he's got a lisp. And then the other guy that's in the uh, in that scene is, is Limping Man. <laughs> it's just it's just they don't even have names it's so funny <laughs> now correct me if i'm wrong but i mean i'd have to go watch it again but the the impression i got when he crossed the floor and he he talked to 
clearly, you know, two, three ladies right at, in that right. general vicinity. Mm-hmm. But it looked like he was talking to the one on the far right out of the three. And well, she even I, looked, no, made eye know. contact with him. And so I was Maybe. fully expecting that those two were the ones that were going to get onto the <laughs> dance floor. And then, you know, cut to the next shot, and it's it's not them. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> well, if, if, it, if it is her, then that's perfect. That, that's exactly what Yorgos <laughs> yeah, wants, then, right? Uh, so. just scrub here and, and quickly have a look. But yeah. Anyway, what? whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'd, I'd be interested to see if, if that is the case, right? So, yeah, by all means, if, if you can pull this out. <laughs> she should... no, no, I can't. You can't? Okay, don't worry about it then. Yeah. But that's what it looked like. I mean, after all, she even looks up from having the conversation with the the, the other girl on her right. So, right. like, from, from the guy's perspective, she's on the far right, there's another one in the middle, and, then oh, the, and the best oh, friend okay. is on the left, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I recall... And the bleeding nose girl is the one in the middle, uh, I believe. Yeah, it's it's possible because I know one girl has a crush on him, or not crush, but she, she wants to date him. Okay. Uh, and and I think it's stuck with somebody else, perhaps, and that's what happens. I don't recall now. I have to take a look at it again. It's actually been a while since I've uh, okay watched the the film in its entirety. But anyway, I thought I, there, I just there could I just have been. Loved, just I love another, the movie for many yeah. different reasons. Yeah. Could have been another deliberate, um, you know, jarring thing that they've Could have injected been. Yeah. in there. <laughs> but that's just beautiful, right? Just the fact that you know, jarring is a great word for it. Like, it's just <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah. I mean, and we see this in the arts, right? Where um, mm-hmm. you've got you've got the Baroque era, the, the 1700s or whatnot, getting into the classical with the Mozarts and the Beethovens. And as music progresses, you get the, the romantic, then finally into the Debussy and then the modern. Each era, the composers are are like, okay, we've heard, listened to that for two hundred years. Yeah, yeah <laughs> let me yeah. try something else. Right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and you you hear that as the eras progress, and the composers write uh, stuff that's just a little different, and introducing a major seventh where most people wouldn't, things like that. Yeah, very much similar to what we were talking about with West Side Story. Uh, I think it was episode five where we were the introduction of dissonance to help off you know describe mm. conflict and how it's very different from the norm of how you would uh see harmonies working well together and and this maybe another word for this is just dissonance just constant dissonance in <laughs> <way>. <laughs> things are going and unfolding in this in this movie so i i encourage you to if you want something different and just something as you say off the beaten track this would be a, a good fit for uh, <laughs> a night's, okay. a night's uh, watch so hope you enjoyed that interesting stuff yeah all right so let's move on to your okay. pick for this week yes i have selected a scene from the classic the sound of music 1965 film uh, this is available, sadly, only apparently on Disney+. Plus. Couldn't find quite the clip I want on YouTube. But So those of you that have Disney+, Plus, go ahead. Or if you're a big fan of it, you probably have a DVD set of this thing. <laughs> anyway, yes. uh, around the uh, 245 mark. To, and I'll have the exact timestamps in the notes. This is uh, the scene of uh, Rolf, the young, the young man, versus the captain in the abbey in the family's hiding. So now, obviously... Uh, Lots of people have seen this film, and we know that the, the context of the entire film altogether, there's a lot of European, European historical context happening here, being set in Austria in 1938. That's not my focus. I don't really 
want to spend a lot of time um, talking about that. The context of the scene, though, because this scene was interesting to me and it, it uh, impactful for me. So just to set it up, Captain Von Trapp, um, being a, a retired Navy veteran um, captain, he is uh, being forced to return to service um, for a naval power that he does not support. He and his family have just fled from the armed escort or the, the guard or whatever you want to call it of the political power that's trying to force him to do this. Um, they are currently being pursued and are hiding now or finding a place to hide anyway in the abbey here, the old abbey of, uh, of Maria, the wife. They plan to shake off the pursuers and then flee the country. And so in this scene here, we see that they almost succeed, but not quite because uh, they're hiding from from some of the uh, the soldiers, the guards, or what have you, and and then and they leave the area, and so they think they're 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 safe to to come out and and try to go and escape now. But young man Rolf enters the scene uh, late on, and uh, this guy he's uh, formerly romantically involved with Liesel, the captain's mm -hmm. eldest daughter, earlier in the film. So. Getting to the scene here, what I'd like, actually, what I'd like to ask uh, our, our audience here is, let, let me point out, or remind anyway, we're, we're a 21st century audience watching a mid-20th century film here. And so, you know, to, it, at risk of stating the obvious, there's no 21st century CG, there's no 21st century martial arts choreography happening here. But if we could just put that aside, um, you know, put our 21st century lenses aside and, and consider just the situation. Um, I guess the script of what's what's going on here. We have a father, and he's 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 desperately trying to uh, keep his family safe and together. Okay, not to be taken away from them and and leave them fatherless, and then on top of that, to be forced to use his considerable skills to fight on the opposite side of a war that he believes mm -hmm. in. You can just imagine that, right? One wrong move here in this situation, and and all the good in his life is his family, his wife, and his children can just be ripped away. So pretty tense and, and the stakes are high and, and just when they think they've successfully evaded their pursuers there and they they come out from from behind the the, the pillars or the uh the tombs they're caught by this one young man rolf and right then and there uh, it's tense because everything could be lost right he, they're behind the gates and he's got uh, he's he's there he, he could he could yell he could do something the captain rushes out from the gate to uh to plead with rolf and suddenly rolf draws a gun so even escalate the situation even more than that and the standoff begins now as i've as i've been trying to say this is this is a fairly high escalation here the, the stakes are high the, the captain could get shot maybe he even killed or he, uh, he at this point he could be captured his covers blown and, and and so on so but this is neat because he he slowly begins bearing down on ralph it begins imposing his presence, is psychologically overpowering him. Right? He's too far away to do anything physically, right? And but what we have here, right? The the fact of it is, he's a he's a grown man, World War One veteran, twenty years of real military service, okay, against literally a teenager, scarcely a few weeks in his uniform, right? Who who knows what little training he's gotten, and so just the the minds at play here it, it there's almost no contest if, if uh, of the of a battle of wills so as the confrontation continues rolf loses composure more and more and finally checkmate captain pulls the gun from his hand now this is the part that i love here about this about the scene about the script writing here the captain is already victorious at this point but then he makes a crucial mistake 
Right? Mm-hmm. He's, he makes a cutting remark at Rolf at this point. We might assume from, from arrogance or feeling superiority. He says, you will never be one of them. And despite being utterly defeated at this point in the encounter, these words just they ignite Rolf like a furnace going from, from yeah, stone yeah. cold to blazing in just seconds. And then he ends up sounding the alarm and, and, and all that. And then action ensues in, in the following scenes. But, you know, that's a little unexpected, right? I find that that quick turn. And it was a little thrilling, I would say. So I would, yeah, your, I would say thoughts. that's accurate, though, whether or, yeah. whether it's a mistake or not. Those words would cut right through any indecision he had up to that point. No question. Because just the words that he chose, it's almost like he was daring him to do it at that mm. point. For whatever reason, I'm not so sure. But almost daring him to do it. And yeah, it was kind matter. of, is maybe maybe gloating at the victory, like... You know, if you can imagine like a couple of MMA fighters that the guy just lost a 10 <laughs> count, right? And then you've already won, but then he, he just kind of taunts him saying, yeah, you can't touch me or trash talks him, right? And then the other yeah, guy but... gets up and hits him after the bell rung or <laughs> whatever. It could very well be too that uh, it's one of those cinematic things, you know, where you're trying to you think you've won and then you haven't and then they got to rush and go and are they going to still escape and they do but i think it was more for cinematic effect than anything else in reality that would never happen he would never <laughs> say that because he would never want anything bad happening to the people of the abbey and that's what would happen if uh, uh if he okay. had done that so but I, again it's things are done sometimes out of exaggerations for for the benefits of the viewer. And I don't mm-hmm. have, I don't have an issue with that at all. I felt it was true to the character of Rolf at that point to go, as you say, stone cold to a burning fern, blazing furnace. I think that's a, a nice depiction of his inner turmoil. Let's call it watching it again. I did not realize how tense and unsettling again is it, i guess that's another theme uh, of the of the podcast <laughs> but the suspense probably the best word here i was very much surprised about that and i think it was the dead in silence of nothing of them are they going to be discovered or not uh-huh. not a single note in score despite the joy and thrill of the sound score throughout the movie mm-hmm. and i think that deafening silence serves at an awesome juxtaposition of of the movie and the musical itself hmm. and i think that works extremely well now i don't i haven't seen the movie in its entirety in a while i used to watch it every christmas but that was a while ago since i since i watched it uh recently but that, now that i see this scene again that's what comes to mind. Mm-hmm. It's just, you can it, go ahead. Yeah, that, no, that's it. I, that's the point I wanted to make. Okay, was just how silent and tense that was compared to the sound of music. Uh-huh. You could, I could just imagine then that um, they had kind of designed that into the film so as 
the audience would also be holding their breath and also trying to be quiet <laughs> and hiding along with the family there, right? And then that, that sure. makes the uh, the rattling of the gates even more of a punctuation. Oh yeah, I was I, into I, I, I jumped out of my seat. I was what happened there? And I have seen this movie before. <laughs> <laughs> the first the first rattle, right? Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. rattle. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was beautifully done. That was a great scene. It was a really nice scene. It was a good pick. Yeah, Thanks, I'd yeah. forgotten about that. And that's why I thought, I'd realized too that that's why you were so emph- so emphatic about. I want the scene up to the you know the Ralph point. And yeah, I, yeah. I can see why now. Like you, you were pretty deeply impacted by this one. <laughs> just the way you're describing it. Yeah, I guess so. And if we could, if we could just. Because people have have obviously seen it, and as you say, a number of us have seen it a number of times, and it's sometimes it's hard to uh, you 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 kind of get I don't know into the into the getting used got used to to what you've seen or whatever. you get to get into habit and you you gloss over stuff when you get into do something or see something many times. So, but if you could just momentarily put in an effort to put that aside and and just imagine you're seeing it again for the first time, then stuff stuff sticks out so and, hard to yeah. do it's so hard to do but i, I hear you I, yeah. we said it we've had this conversation before about how lucky we are to see a scene for the very first time or a movie for the very first time without being inundated with say i guess 21st century film and some of the inspirations that came after it to have that first <laughs> let's call it version experience is hard to recapture but uh, I do recall you even saying in, in, in a, a previous conversation how when you were watching Nirvana and Fire, which is another mm-hmm. piece we saw earlier, is how you pause sometimes to just look at the look at the scene and how it's framed and the costumes and the jewelry and stuff. And yeah, uh, I, I think it's there's an incredible amount of effort that's it that is taken by the director, the production teams, and the cinematographers, all the people involved to make sure that that particular scene looks the way it should the lighting is right everything is in its place so yeah i try to take the time to appreciate i think it's at least great that you're things. doing that and, yeah and uh really just acknowledging the effort and the arts and the, exactly. and the genius of these people exactly and mm-hmm. we're in a, a fortunate time where we can just go to the internet and hit and hit play hit pause hit hit change speed and stuff like you know 1965 when this came out you're sitting in a theater watching it and you can't that was it yeah you can't scrub a slider bar on the bottom of the theater window or whatnot mm-hmm. right <laughs> you, you're just watching it so yeah. mm-hmm. and it of course too like the benefit of others providing insight and commentary that you would never have noticed just like the mm-hmm. slow zoom and the lobster i mean I, I I didn't notice it the first time, and then looking at it again, I was like, "Oh wow, this is kind of weird." <laughs> yeah, at a subconscious level, right? So, yeah, I guess that's kind of the reason why we do this podcast too. It's just to acknowledge the efforts, uh, yeah, made by the entire team, and this is our thanks, our gratitude in a little way of just uh, someone's noticing. Every there's a lot of people that notice, and we're just one of an mm-hmm. ocean of people that are doing it. So. Yeah. This is our way. Nice. Good stuff. So thank you so much for that. That was that was one that was cool uh to relive that again. Sound of music, uh, a staple for anybody in film. Should watch it, sing it, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. thanks for that. 
that's a wrap for 28. That is over six months of scene review podcast, Mr. Uh, Mr. Alex. <laughs> so that's something to be said, I think. Yeah, this is quite an, uh, a feat and achievement. So thank you for uh, your time. Thank you for our the people and our listeners. Thank you uh, for wherever you are. Stay tuned for 29 next week. Yep. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening. You can email us at scenereview at 20digit.com and find us on YouTube by searching for 20digit productions. And we're 20digit on Twitter and Instagram. Note that our website and all our online IDs are spelled with numbers, 20digit. Thanks for listening to the 20-Digit Scene Review Podcast.